Temple Art and Music Festival has arrived. Map Free Stadium, Columbus, Ohio. Three days, May 17th through the 19th. America's number one rock music festival is here with Foo Fighters. System of a Down. Disturbed. Sonic Temple with Bring Me the Horizon, Ghost, Hailstorm, Lamb of God, The Cult, The Hives, The Struts, Meshuga, The Distillers, and rare appearances by Joe Jett and Prodigy. Go to SonicTempleFestival.com for everything. The Foo Fighters, System of a Down, Disturbed, Bring Me the Horizon, Ghost, and special comedy tent headliners, Andrew Dice Clay, Henry Rollins, and more. Go to SonicTempleFestival.com. See ya at the temple. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast, the official podcast of MetalNexus.net, where you can get all your concert reviews, show reviews, interviews, and so much more. And joining me, as always, is Mr. Daniel Terry. He has his voice back. Let's give him a nice round of applause. Yay! Everything's going pretty good over here in the cartoon world. And uh, if you guys have ever seen uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, the cartoon world, that's where I'm from. So uh, that's where I Skype in from every week. Actually, for those listening, uh, Dan's monitor, from how I see it, looks more like the digital renderings from like a scanner darkly. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a permanent Facebook filter applied on my whole life. <laughs> so it's, uh, it, it's a good time over here. You never know when you're going to get smacked with a hammer or an anvil or something. You know, happens every day. It's rough being a cartoon. <laughs> and uh, speaking of uh, adventurous and kind of out of left field as well, um, our guest is Amigo the Devil. Um, oh, Amigo the Devil. I thought you told me you interviewed the actual devil. And, and I was like, dude, that is the most metal thing I've ever heard in my life. We went down to Georgia and I interviewed the devil. He was kind of depressed, though. Something about some kind of fiddle contest. Yeah, something like that. And then, you know, people playing it on Guitar Hero. Yeah, he didn't get any of that money. Yeah, that's frustrating. But uh, no, we uh, I got to do an interview with Amigo the Devil. Dan had to back out kind of last minute for uh, work. I think you got called into work disgustingly early that day. Yeah, it was pretty bad, dude. Like it's every day. It seems like we <laughs> we got a pretty cool interview coming up that I'm thinking about just dropping everything and being like, gotta go home for an hour. You know? Yeah, please do. <laughs> Um, yeah, we'll figure that out. Yes. But anyway, no, um, it was kind of interesting. You know, we, we've been kind of branching out lately. You know, like we just dropped the episode with uh, Josh from Bad Flowers. So we're kind of in this more radio rock kind of world. Then, you know, we've done episodes like Michael Wilton from Queensryche. So we're kind of in this progressive classic rock. You know, we have an up- upcoming episode with uh, Josh Todd from Buck Cherry. And now we have Amigo the Devil who kind of fits into this like folk bluegrassy kind of alternative something you know it's it's kind of got its own flavor and you know admittedly it's it's not necessarily like my go-to genre of music nor do i think it's yours dan uh no but i actually really like something he said in the interview which i won't spoil too much though is like he's like i get thrown onto these shows that are they don't really make sense like musically he's like but you know he's like i can get put on a metal show because Yes, not only are my, uh, you know, not my music is definitely very different than that, but it's also like really dark, like lyrics are really dark. He's like, so they kind of substitute that, you know, for the musical difference. And I thought that was interesting because he does place, he does have some pretty dark songs. Um, my experience has just been on like the YouTube videos uh, of these songs, but I, I kind of enjoy it. It's almost like. I don't want to say a modern day Johnny Cash because it doesn't really sound like that, but it does have kind of that singer songwriter comes to your town with a guitar and sings about all the woes of the world. And I, and that, that I do find kind of enjoyable. And some of his songs are like downright heartbreaking. If you like really get into the lyrical content. Yeah, most assuredly. I, I think that's the other thing too, kind of about that style of music that, you know, there's, Anybody who's a musician, I think, can kind of attest, like, if it's just you and acoustic guitar or very minimal arrangement, it's not really a whole lot you can hide behind. So if you actually have something to say, uh, it's just even more, I I guess at times, soul-crushing because you're just like, wow, Jesus, like, this is bleak, and there's not really a whole lot (laughs) to really hide at least any of this. Like, it's not like there's, like, some, like, really nice pretty ambient music going on or like drums or whatever it's like no it's just the student is guitar and a whole lot of pain 
It's very bare bones, yeah, and uh, I do enjoy that about it. And I think I think thematically it fits uh, with some of our heavier type of artists. This is actually one of the ones I enjoyed listening to more, just because it was a little bit more in my wheelhouse as far as like dark music goes. And you know, because like I'm in a dark room right now, and I like listening to dark music and drinking dark beers, and you know. Yeah, that was the other fun thing about this conversation is uh, I, I saw a couple of other interviews with uh, with Danny, uh, as he's actually known his real name, and uh, you know, a couple of people touched on you know the fact that he used to be a brew maker and so forth, and but it didn't really ever go anywhere. And to me, like as soon as I found that little tidbit of information, I was like, oh shit. I know where I'm going with this and parlaying it into sort of like the conversation I had with uh, RJ city, the one we just dropped also very recently where, you know, I had a couple of people reach out to me and they're like, I know nothing about this guy, but man, I had a lot of fun listening to you two talk for like an hour. And I have a feeling this one's going to be the same because I felt the same way after this one was done as I did with the RJ city one where it's like, I didn't really know where it was going to go. I had questions written, but I really didn't look at them. I just kind of was like, all right, let's just shoot the shit for an hour and have a couple beers and, there we go. See what happens. Yeah. yeah. And this is the conversation that happened. Yeah, I thought it was definitely a lot of fun. Um, I'll be interested to see them on Sonic Temple um, if we go. Fingers and, crossed. Uh, that'll be, yeah, fingers crossed. If you guys are listening, you know, we're, our, we check our mailbox every day. <laughs> no, um, kind of speaking to that, um, I don't remember what I was drinking in the beginning of this one, uh, in the actual interview. But today I'm drinking a, a local beer company that just actually started, I'd say, in the last year or so. Uh, it's called City Built Brewing, and it's not very far from my house, but I still haven't been there yet. And uh, it is called Besitos de Fresa. Fresa. Uh, it's a chocolate strawberry milk stout uh, with a kiss of strawberry. So um, More fruit. Yeah, you know, I don't know. It's a thing we do here in Michigan, I guess. We just do, like, weird fruity beers. Uh, stouts, porters, IPAs, New England IPAs, doesn't seem to matter. We just throw fruit in it. Um, the the containing lactose part kind of got me because, like, you know, I've been kind of drinking a few different uh, beers that have, like, milk sugars or, uh, you know, things like that. And I was really expecting this to kind of have, like, a really nice chocolate strawberry taste, but it's more like a, a bitter chocolate, like a cocoa, like a baking chocolate. Interesting. So in that regard, I'm not really super stoked because, like, I kind of get this, like, bitter chocolate, like, front profile. And then you get this, like, weird tarty. It's not like strawberry like I was expecting. It's more of, like, a tart, uh, almost like a sour kind of aspect to it with, like, that that lactose-y kind of back-end flavor with it. So you're just kind of getting this, like, bitter chocolate and then, like, uh, tart lactose (laughs) on the back end. And you're like... Yeah, that's uh, that's 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 a beer you made. Um, well, that sounds that sounds actually a lot more up my alley. Um, sounds like something I really enjoy because I do like I do kind of like that bitter and even a little bit of sour taste. I haven't really ventured much into the sour beers uh, because sometimes like you get something that's a little sour and it, it kind of has like a little bit of a bite to it, but then you also turn around and get stuff like um, you know like you'll get something that tastes like you're eating sweet tarts. And you're like, oh, you know, you just so you get that pit in your stomach, you just want to throw up, and it's uh, can be a little too much sometimes. Yeah, so this is uh, this is one for me that uh, I will drink the rest of this. Uh, it's a 10 percent, or actually a ten and a half. So it's a I'm sure if you drank a couple of these, you'd probably be feeling it. But uh, it was worth the try. Um, there's a, a couple other beers that are kind of like this that are a little bit kind of out of left field, but kind of not. Um, so be interested to go try some of their other beers and see what they got. But uh, what have you had this week? Well, uh, earlier today I had uh, about three of the Dark Matter Wheat Porters from Logboat. And I'm sure I've talked about them on the show before. Uh, but they're seasonal for Logboat, and so I'm happy to have them back. Uh, it's basically a wheat malt, and uh, it's got a lot of dark chocolate taste in it with a lot of like roasted coffee and, and stuff like that. So it's really... It's really smooth, and it's actually like almost a good dessert beer. I know they're gonna introduce like a peanut butter one, which I'm like, guys, don't, don't. I'm like, don't ruin a good thing, but you know, um, you know, I'm I'm a little bit less accepting on beers. I know in the interview, Amigo, you know, or Danny said, you know, it's kind of like a guy that only drinks IPAs. You know, he's got such a limited view on the world, 
And I'd, I'd love to disagree with him, but, uh, you know, I, I did drink a wheat porter that I liked, so points. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, that's that kind of speaks to the, the well-roundedness of uh, our thing. We have a, a traditional standby because, you know, you're just enjoying the season you're in and being able to enjoy that one beer while you have the opportunity to have it. I was a little bit more adventurous, kind of a little bit let down, but uh, something that's not going to let you down is my conversation with Amigo the Devil. And so let's get to it, and we will talk to you guys afterwards. The distance from the man that I am to the man I want to be. The time it takes to realize time is the distance I need. But I was born impatient. I was born unkind But I refuse to believe I How are you doing? Hey, pretty good, man. How are you? Doing good, but ready to try a new beer. There you go. What are you, what are you, what are you popping open? Uh, it's something called Central State. Um, so a little bit, I guess I should preface by a little bit about this podcast that uh, I don't think I typically mention to many of the publicists. Uh, we went through a rebrand in the start of the new year. Um, the co-host, who's not on with me currently, but uh, the co-host and I would typically, when we do our intros and outros and all that kind of stuff, we would talk about the various beers we were drinking, and then I would cut it out because I'm like, eh, no one gives a shit about that. And then the, the, the more I thought about it, since I live here in Grand Rapids, Michigan, which you were just in not too long ago, um, we have been kind of become known for, I would say the whole state as well, being been known for crap beers and all that kind of stuff. So it just kind of slowly became a thing where it's like, oh, let's introduce this thing that we already talk about anyway and maybe try to get some other people who are beer or crap beer or spirits or coffee or whatever, uh, maybe that are also into music and so forth and, and kind of kind of branch all of the things together. Um so I picked up a – it's a beer made in Indianapolis, Indiana. It's a Central State. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's a Noy, N-O-Y-A-U. Uh, it's a rustic blonde with uh, peaches and apricot. Ooh, sounds delicious. I know. My uh, co-host always gives me shit because I, I pretty much always am, like, gravitating toward the, the fruit beers lately. Um just because I think there's a lot more interesting flavors that you can kind of do and play around with, like whether you're adding them to stouts or porters or blondes or IPAs or whatever. I feel like it's interesting to see how the various flavors can kind of play off each other. Uh, he's more of a just a straight IPA. I think, like, you know, Space Dust is one of his go-to straight up every time. Like, he would probably drink that any any day, every day. See, I'm in your camp. I like I like the, the fruit variety in general. I'm going to join you here. I just... We just stocked up on New Glarus while we were out on the road, so I'm going to pop open a raspberry tart here. Are you a sour fan? Oh, it's 90% of what I drank. Okay. I just tried uh, – I'm not big on sours currently. I'm, I'm wondering if it'll end up being a thing like with most of my drinking in general. Like for a while I was just straight up a, a whiskey drinker. Um, and then I would say in the last like two to three years I've really gotten into tequila and gin – uh, still like whiskey just fine, but like I've kind of grown my palate, I guess, a little bit uh, to start appreciating other flavors that aren't just whiskey. <laughs> See, I got I, I'm I'm on the same I'm in the same boat as you actually. With uh, my journey was is because I drink mostly scotch. Like I love 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 scotch. Are you a highland um, or a lowland or what, what word do you follow? Lowland. In? Okay. Lowland, sure. Um, <laughs> and then I kind of swapped over into mezcal. Uh, just as a as a branch out, just because it still had that that the same smokiness, but with a little more of a mineral quality, like a little more clay aspect. And then mezcal got me into tequila more than I had ever been, so it was like a backwards roundabout way to get into tequila. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have a. Apparently, I found just like my. Uh, I mean, with whiskey and even saying with beer and drinking in general, I think uh, the nice thing is. I can appreciate something that's really nice. Like, you know, the bottle of tequila I got recently because a friend of mine in uh, Buffalo, New York, is a brand ambassador for this company, but is uh, Fortaleza. And, oh, my favorite. Oh, it's so good. Uh, I started oh. I started with Avion, but then basically he was like, well, you got to try this. And I tried some when I was out in Colorado, and I was like, well, this puts Avion to shame. And it's not saying Avion <laughs> is a, a terrible product by any stretch, but there is a difference – 
And I think that's kind of the thing with anything once you started getting into the, the aspects of what each company offers and what they do and the differences in the you know, distilling process or even the, you know, making of the beer and all that kind of stuff, the fermentation process. It's just interesting to see how you can start tasting the different characteristics of what each person does, which as we're going to get into, which I'm going to keep all this in because fuck it, why not? Um, You know, I kind of wanted to eventually talk about the correlation between music actually and, you know, craft spirits and craft cocktails and so forth. So I guess uh, you've had a, we've had a nice little preamble here. Uh, I am talking with Amigo the Devil, AKA Danny, is it Karanos? Yep, Kiranos. Oh, hey everybody. <laughs> um, you know, I actually, you know, in doing some research on you, because uh, I always try to find a different route to go with with the interviews than than you can find everywhere else. Because I mean, if you want to hear the exact same questions we answered, you know, there's plenty of avenues to go do that, and that's not discrediting what anyone has done, but. It's a little in this day and age. It's a little bit easier to see what has been done and try to go off the beaten path a little bit. So once I kind of had found that you had started being like a brewmaster and so forth, and even gotten, uh, I believe it was a degree in culinary, uh, like culinary studies or whatever. You know, it kind of really opened up a, a wider array of things that I wanted to talk about and correlations to music itself because I think there are a lot of parallels that maybe a lot of people don't realize there are. I agree. I definitely agree, and I'm I'm glad that we get to. This is one of those things where I always want to talk about it, just because it's a bank of knowledge that I have no one else to chat about. <laughs> so I'm excited. <laughs> so I guess uh, let, let's. Uh, you know, we were talking about you know our various uh, drinks and so forth uh, that we're currently having and that we we appreciate. What is it that got you into? I guess we'll first say beer and beer making because I, I think if no one has ever even done the homebrew kits, I think it's really interesting to see how the the beginning of wanting to do that is because it is, is a rather long and arduous process, especially if you're trying to make anything adventurous. Yeah. I think, um, it, which is funny enough, you're talking about the correlation between music and, and alcohol in general, the, the industry. Um, I had been in bands when I was younger and my whole life I thought I was going to you know, I'm going to be a rock star, play music forever. And obviously these were terrible bands that I was in when I was young. Um, so when that fell apart and I realized, like, eh, I should probably get a job, like a real job. And I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. It was something interesting about the uh, creative process of, of food, of cooking in general, that always called to me that was similar to writing songs. But everybody that I knew was was kind of diving into the food world and me being this I always had to do something different from everyone around me which I don't know if that's just annoying and ego driven <laughs> or just trying to be you know shock value guy over here but no um I was you know I was kind of diving into the process of uh you know, sauces specifically, that kind of thing. And then something hit me where I was like, wait, there's a whole other side of beer that I don't really know about. And I remember seeing a few of the first, um, this is a long time ago now, but a a few of the the uh, non-macro brands that were kind of on shelves that no one drank, and I was curious about them. And so I said, all right, let's learn how to make those, and let's expand on that. And that's what I'll focus on. So um, that's pretty much what got me into the the craft pool of brewing in general uh, was because it was similar to writing songs. Do you feel that, you know, because as as I was kind of thinking about it, you know, I think the thing that's interesting is even in food or whatever, it takes a lot to figure out exactly what – the beer is like you can drink it and you might be like well it's you know i was hoping you know like let's say maybe you're going for like a chocolate stout or whatever i i was really hoping the chocolate flavor was going to be more pronounced maybe i needed to use more of a sweet chocolate as opposed to a more bitter like baking chocolate and so forth and you you work slowly to kind of perfect your recipe to it be exactly the the best representation of what you set it out to be and i think a lot of that it sounds like that's it's also the parallel between your music career where you were trying so you were not dissatisfied with what you were doing. It just wasn't there for you. It wasn't what you were looking to do. Do you think that's a, a pretty fair uh, similarity between the two as well? Is just taking a while until you find that, that thing that makes you happy. And then when you got it, you're like, oh, fuck, holy, there it is. Like, I've been trying to figure it out, and it just kind of came to me. 
Oh, very fair. That's that's exactly on point. Um, and and even beyond that, in current songwriting in general, it's you know whether you, you compare ingredients to lyrics, and you wake up one day and you think, okay, this is exactly what I wanted in this beer, and you wake up the next day and you go, this is a terrible idea, this is the worst <laughs> idea I've ever had. And and the same with songwriting. Like I'll you know I'll sit at night and I'll write something. And in my head, I'm like, this is it. This is the one. No one's ever written this. And then the next day, I wake up, and I'm like, this is trash. This is absolute trash. So, it, uh, yeah, there's a big parallelism. Has uh, has there been a song? I'm only making this just so I can make this joke because I thought this was funny when I read it earlier. Do you have a song that you reacted to as much as the tobacco beer you tried to make? Ooh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do. I absolutely do. Um, I mean, it, not, nothing that's been released, fortunately, <laughs> it didn't get put out into the world, but there's, there's plenty where, uh, I'm sure the demos are there somewhere, but it's, it's funny. It's a disgusting feeling, but it's funny. <laughs> For those that uh, may not be aware, there was uh, an interview that, uh, Amigo did where he basically tried making a tobacco beer. I don't even remember if it if you actually had specified what kind of a beer it was, just that you were trying to utilize using tobacco in in this beer. And I guess a, <laughs> something went wrong with your calculations on how much tobacco was in either the leaves or whatever, and you ended up drinking it and <laughs> thought you were gonna die. <laughs> yeah. So it was a it was a, a double. It was just a nice, very base Belgian. Um, Double and I got these these big beautiful broadleaf, just raw leaves and uh, the dried leaves. And the 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 nicotine was just off the chart, <laughs> like off the charts. And this is, you know, I still don't know much in life, but this is when I knew even less. And uh, I didn't realize that nicotine could actually just like stop your heart. Oh yeah. <laughs> And so I, uh, I'm glad I didn't power through that one. <laughs> like everything else, I told you that the whole ego-driven thing. I, I, I very easily could have just been like, "No, this beer is great," <laughs> drank the whole thing and died. So, um, you know, one, one of the funny offshoots of that. I don't know. If, I don't remember if I spoke about it last time, but the reason that I thought the tobacco beer was a good idea is because in school, I had made a. In culinary school, not the brewing part, in like the cooking school. One of the finals was to do this big old course thing, and we would distribute the dishes amongst the group that we were assigned to. And for dessert, I made a. Uh, it was like a. Like a it was supposed to represent a, a coffee, right? Cigarettes and coffee, uh, coffee cigarettes, whatever. And um, so I made a s'mores type dessert in a coffee cup where it was like a crumble at the bottom and then a tobacco-infused chocolate, uh, like ganache-type thing in the middle with some hardened stuff and then the foam on top, like an espresso foam. And uh, and that worked. It worked great. Like, it, it was beautiful. I used minimal tobacco in that. Um, but the leaves infused beautifully, and it was a really, really nice little buzz off of it. But it doesn't work the same when you're boiling. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, I I know I kind of asked this question, but, you know, I I wrote it down in a much more eloquent way, so maybe I'll ask it so I can edit it in and make me sound not as stupid. But, uh... You know, do you feel that in creating food or beers that it's akin to writing music as a whole in the fact that you're telling stories with flavors and people are able to bond over those those shared experiences maybe that they have with those? Definitely. And and uh, to take it even a step further, I think one of the coolest aspects of anybody who, you know, it's not just limited to the food and, and, and alcohol industry, uh, or songwriting, most crafts in general. But I love the fact that you know when when a chef creates their perfect dish that they're happy with and they love. Everyone gets the story they see on the plate and the flavors that are presented, but the journey there and the the backstory and what it took to create that dish in general 
is theirs, their personal experience. And that's kind of like the same with the songwriting aspect. Is like the journey to the song, it, I get to keep that. You know what I mean? And that's, that's a whole different layer um, that doesn't get presented in the final product on either end. And I think that that's really cool. You know, kind of selfish. <laughs> I think that's the <laughs> the other running parallel we've had this whole conversation. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, you know, I kind of wanted to focus a little bit more on on Amigo the Devil as as the as the I don't necessarily want to call it a character, but as a stage name, we'll say. And you know, in looking at kind of the lyrics and the lyrical themes and so forth, you know, a lot of times in in, in the interviews I've read, you know, it. Either people will call you by your real name or, you know, by your stage name. And it kind of makes me wonder, in the early goings of becoming Amigo the Devil, why not just call it your name? And it kind of makes me wonder, is it because having this persona allows you to maybe deflect from having to take on the responsibility of some of the lyrics that you're putting out there that maybe if they were associated with you as Danny, people might be like... Oh, what the, what the fuck? But if it's Amigo the Devil, it's now entertainment. Is that something that was kind of the forethought when doing that? I think that that's um, a benefit that came later, that I didn't really plan it that way. I think my initial thought was... Because um, the, the early on songs were very much written... Um, they were purposely written from other people's perspectives, not my own. And it felt wrong to use, to attach my, my personal name and my personal self to emotions that weren't necessarily mine, per se. Um, and that's, that was the, the initial thought. Um, looking back on it now, I, I am glad it worked out that way just because of, of what you were saying, that it, it, there's truth behind that. And it has also allowed me to feel comfortable uh, with kind of detaching myself from how I feel about things. Uh, granted, on the new record, that kind of changed because that was a very, very introspective, very personal record. So it's just kind of the name is just there now and too late. Like, sucks for me. But <laughs> it's, um, it was... It was a, a nice platform to be able to um, play fantasy. It kind of made me wonder if, given the fact of how the new record is the way it is, with, like you said, being more introspective, and even kind of in the presentation as, as a band uh, at that point, adding your fiancé to it, um, kind of made me wonder if, you know, looking at sort of like what Eminem slash Marshall Mathers has done with his career where... You know, he started off very much being a character, but then as later albums kind of progressed and he started dealing more with inward things, it almost seems like it's this weird duality between the two because it's like you still get the Eminem character in songs, but then when it gets talking about real real life shit, you have this like, oh, there's there's Marshall. There's there's this real person talking about real shit sort of maybe, I guess, under the guise of, of the persona that he's created. And it was one of the few, like, allusions I could make to somebody else uh, that's done it more recently like that, where there's the name, but then they're also kind of segueing from the persona and talking about things secondhand to now dealing with things from a first-person's perspective. Yeah, I, I, uh, I do appreciate that comparison because um, that's pretty cool. <laughs> 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 no, I'm um, it, It's... Honestly, it, it kind of becomes a uh, comfort zone thing where at some point, you know, you do, uh, and by you, I mean, I'm saying me, I I, I do feel the need to um, allow, like, myself to come through as a person so that it doesn't just get lost wholeheartedly into this persona. Um, and, uh, you know, the... It might, like, I wonder, right now, like, I'm wondering if the whole persona aspect of it is just because I'm uncomfortable with a certain side of myself, and it was easier to put a mask and a name on it than to just own up to it and, and call it what it is, 
Um, I don't know. It's, it's possible. It's totally possible that I just can't, you know, come to terms with the fact that this is a side of me that exists. So let's let's fantasize it in a different way. Do you ever envision doing a quote-unquote solo record? Yes. It's, for me, um, the live show basically is a solo record every night, since it is just me playing. Um, I, I, you know, I, I do get asked quite often if I'm ever going to bring a band on tour with the songs and all that, and... It sounds awesome, it sounds fun, and a lot of the times when I'm up there, I wish I had this big wall of noise behind me, because it would make it grand and big and exciting. Um, I think it takes something but, away from the sincerity of your music, honestly. I think it would. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And it's it's been a struggle to you know fight between, like, okay, I want to be loud and, and exciting and flashy, versus I want to just sing the damn songs and let them exist as they are, which is where the, the solo record aspect comes in. I want to, and I'm sure we will at some point, um, but I do like the idea that if you want to hear the songs of the band, the record exists. If you want to see the songs performed at their core and as they were written and as they were meant to be, come to a show. And then you get different experiences on both. Um, growing up and going to shows, I loved when bands sounded uh, not completely different, but when bands sounded different live than they did on the record, because it almost felt like a like a keepsake, like a a little trophy that I got, an experience that I gained watching the show that I'm that I can't go home and recreate, and it felt more special to me that way. Um, I'm not saying I'm succeeding at doing that. <laughs> I'm just saying that's that's the the mentality for me behind the, the the kind of disparity between having a band and not. Adversely, knowing that your live show is is not exactly how it is presented on album format, do you get fans? who maybe after a show do the, the, the typical thing when you went over somebody new, they'll come, they'll, if you're at the merch table, they'll come, they'll buy your record, and then maybe see you a second time and go, well, I thought I was getting what I saw, and then I got something completely different. Do you tend to find that people like one more than the other? I haven't had much feedback um, in terms of preference. I know that I mean, there are some people that, that do express their desire to hear that loudness where they, they, they say, you know, oh, it'd be really cool with a band. But for the most part, I think people have differentiated between the two as two entirely different beasts, uh, which I'm really grateful for. Um, not to say people, you know, don't feel that way. I just, it hasn't been expressed to me. Usually people are uh, very, very friendly uh, in their their acceptance of what we're doing live, and and you know, it, it's a big old party, and people sing along and stuff. So it's it's just been a really good time. I think people leave the show feeling included in the project, as opposed to uh, being yelled at for an hour. You know, <laughs> like it's uh, the example I always use is with the band thing. One of my fears is that I'm worried that. It'll become, the show will become me playing songs at people instead of with people, which is what we're lucky enough to be able to do right now. I guess when I kind of look at, because very interestingly enough, uh, looking at what you've done in a live setting, I feel like... And the, it's funny, I've told a friend of mine who who plays music around here locally... Uh, and it always sounds like such a shitty backhanded compliment, and I don't mean it to be as such, but it's it's just kind of the reality and the only way I can come up with to say it. But very much like my friend, I don't feel like you fit in anywhere, and as such, because you don't necessarily fit in any one pocket of music, you've actually been able to kind of fall into some places where I'm like, huh, that's interesting. I don't know that you fit there, but I think also 
the people where you are, like, you know, with the this Dropkick tour that you were just on, it's like, that doesn't make sense, but in some way, shape, or form, it does, because when I look at the people, it's like, okay, like, these people will probably dig what you're doing. They're probably, as people, very similar to what you what you go through and what you do, and at the end of the day, that's all music really is, is just kind of a, a collection of shared experiences that hopefully connect everybody together. So in that realm, it should work fine, but when you do it in musical terms or music business terms where it's like, well, here's kind of this, uh, like punk, you know, thing of dropkick, you know, which kind of is hard to categorize at times as well. And then here's this sort of dark folk thing too. You're like, that doesn't work, but somehow it kind of does. And, you know, it kind of just reminds me of, you know, the early two thousands and so forth and late nineties, like when I was starting to go to shows myself and you just had a weird collection of bands together and it worked because not everything had to be similar and it was fun just to go have a really f- interesting night of music where you might have a ska band playing with a death metal band playing with a acoustic band and, and so forth and it's like there was something there for everyone if you were adventurous enough and I, I think that's kind of what I kept coming back to is you don't belong anywhere but you belong everywhere for those that are adventurous enough to listen. Yeah, I I um I will say that that was initially a struggle. So when we were starting this, um, it was hard to a explain it to people and b to convince people to give it a chance, even for shows and things like that. But what I started noticing is because we've we've literally toured with virtually. I want to say everything, or been on shows with every type of music I can think of. Um, And I think that people were so, like, instead of trying to match it sonically, people started trying to find one element that they understood of it and match it with that same element of a different band, regardless of how it sounded. So... um, I think that's how we ended up on a lot of metal shows is that people were like, okay, this isn't metal at all, but the lyrics are super dark, so we'll we'll match that aspect instead of the sound. And um, and it's been a really, really cool journey because within itself, we've like I've been learning what this is on my own through other people. Um, and it, it kind of goes to say, I mean, going back to the beer thing because it's an easy reference, you know, it's like somebody who only drinks IPAs and refuses to drink anything else. If it's not an IPA, they don't want it. And that's unfair because there's very clearly going to be other beers of other styles that they do enjoy. They're just not going to know it because they don't want to give it a chance. Um, but we've we've had a very fortunate circumstance that... Um, People have started to open up and kind of within trying to figure it out on their own, they've picked apart aspects of it that, that I hadn't even realized work with other things. So it's been a fun adventure and frustrating at times because I, I wish like I wish that I could explain it to people and go, no, this is where it belongs, but I can't. And I can't uh I can't fault anybody else for for struggling with the same thing that I struggle with. So kind of uh something else I'd like to bring up and it's something that I've been into for a little while now like since I've got back into this thing, but I often try to encompass into this podcast and I I think some people are reluctant to not the guests themselves, but I think some people when I when I bring this up are like, "Oh, that doesn't this in music don't go together, which I think is entirely false. But something I saw uh, in doing some research on you is that you are a fan of professional wrestling. And I think if there's anything that is so naturally akin to being in the music industry, it would be either being a, a professional comedian or a wrestler. Because basically, you drive and do shows, aka touring, and then you perform. And then you do it, sell some merch, <laughs> become a brand. Yeah. Uh, potentially, the goal is to be an independent, go from an independent wrestler to getting signed to a major, aka a major label. 
Um, so I think there's a lot more parallels there than people realize. But with that being said, are, are you still kind of, you know, because we're, we're really close now to WrestleMania, which is almost like, you know, the Super Bowl and the Holy Grail of not only major wrestling, but independent wrestling as well now. Like, are you gearing up and excited for it, or are you kind of out of the loop? To be honest, we've been so busy this year. Just, we haven't had any time for, for personal anything. Like, I don't even know how I feel today. <laughs> <laughs> like, we've, we've just been so on the go that um, the last five, six months have just been essentially a blur and kind of out of the loop. But I will say that I I think that there's... I really love seeing um, how much wrestling has grown into just kind of back into, not grown, but kind of fallen back into such a large demographic of people that are, that are finally, you know, re-realizing how badass it is with the Indies and all that. And, you know, every city you go to now has like their, their amazing little indie circuit going. And it's just, it's a really, really cool situation to see, um, I wish we could go to WrestleMania, but always on tour. They're keeping us busy. I'm grateful for it, but they're keeping us busy. <laughs> I know this might be seemingly a, a weird stretch, but I, I mean, given some of the talent, at least on WWE's roster, would you ever be interested in doing a theme song for somebody? And if so, who would you like? Who do you think would work well for you to do a theme song for? Uh, this is this is like half brag and half uh, just personal excitement. So I'm sorry for the first half. <laughs> <laughs> Again, we're going we back did, to the uh, uh, the whole ego thing. Oh yeah, um, I was I woke up one day so excited. Was, uh, Bray Wyatt actually like tweeted about a new theme song and and mentioned three bands to write a theme song for him, and we were one of them. That's who I was, I was thinking like, of. Yes. Yes. Yes! <laughs> and I was like, I'll do it. I, w- I would love to, and I think that would be my choice. I think it makes sure. sense. Yeah, yeah. It, it was, uh, that's what I was saying. It was just like a really exciting thing. It was, it was cool to see. Um, but that was uh, probably the beginning and end of that concept right there. <laughs> Well, it's kind of funny because I saw that, you know, through your friends, Corey, and uh, I keep wanting to call him, was it Tom? But it's uh, Baron Corbin. Uh, Baron, yeah. That it seemed like, you know, maybe they would be able to help kind of get you in there a little bit to, especially now that they have new new writing for their, their theme song crew or whatever mm-hmm. the hell that department is. But so I kind of had almost figured maybe there has been talks of maybe doing something, even if it's nothing more than just like a vocal or something, given the fact that they've worked with, you know, you know, they just had uh, Code Orange do some stuff. They've had, uh, I forget who does the vocal for Seth Rollins. Uh, I mean, just literally the burn it down thing. But I know he's, that person's yeah. from a, a hardcore band. Um, to even, you know, having Kill Switch Engage and, uh, you know, other bands uh, be associated with making theme songs or being a part of new theme songs for people. So it just seemed like maybe it would be a thing where, you know, you have an in and maybe it's just a matter of time or what little bit of time you don't have. But uh, didn't know if that was something that, you know, you were possibly trying to get done or have been working on or whatever? I've, I've definitely um, expressed my interest, not to the fullest extent that I could. I'm, I'm sure I could pursue it uh, more aggressively. I just, I figured that, you know, because on, on the grand scale of things, we're, we're relatively, um, we're growing. Like, we're still smaller in comparison to um, a lot of other options they have out there. So it's... It's one of those things where I would I would love to I would absolutely say yes and and I should probably pursue it more aggressively I just um, maybe doubt that it you know that I have that uh, I like I, I have that personal doubts that there isn't someone more qualified to do so I guess right I don't know <laughs> <laughs> but it would definitely be cool. Speaking of something, you know, that's kind of cool and kind of talking to uh, appealing to a, a wider demographic, uh, upcoming, you're going to be on the Sonic Temple Festival, uh, formerly Rock on the Range. And once again, you know, when I saw that you were on, I was like, oh, that makes sense. You know, I've been seeing your name growing on, you know, on the touring scale. 
but to see you on a festival like that, which is predominantly, I, I would kind of say more m- mainstream rock and metal, to see your name thrown in there, it was kind of like a, wow, all right, this should be yeah, interesting. Yeah, that was I'm, a really cool, that was a really cool call. So I'm, uh, I'm, you know, what is, what is getting that opportunity and what is getting to play in front of something like that mean to you? And, and what do you, what are your expectations for the Sonic Temple Festival performance? Um, I'm definitely going to be nervous. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that. Um, it's, it's amazing to see that a lot of these festivals this year in general, like kind of across the board have been branching out to, um, be a little more eclectic than, than they may have been in the past. Um, I'm grateful to, to be on, on a few of them. But expectations-wise, I uh, instead of expectations, like hopes, what I hope, and and I think it goes, I think it is the case with most festivals, where I, I hope that it's just music fans at the festival that give it a chance as opposed to people that are there to, to strictly see one genre because there's there's so many um, great bands on that bill that I'm excited to see myself that uh, that I think it's it's I think it's cool that they added an element like like ours to it um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the whole uh the whole Dave Grohl joke that goes around all the time. It's like people have been calling me fat Dave Grohl. I have not. Which is, <laughs> which is really, I mean, I embrace it. I love it. I'm down. <laughs> but Foo Fighters are playing Sonic Temple. So my main expectation is I expect to get a damn picture with him. Fat Dave Grohl and regular Dave Grohl. That's all. <laughs> That's all I want. <laughs> Well, I think if you put it out into the universe, uh, it'll go. I mean, he seems like a yeah. like the coolest guy ever. Much to the the detriment, I I think of like metal sites and shit where it's become a trope now to be like, well, what does Dave Grohl think or you know whatever. But um, I don't know. That dude just seems cool as shit, and uh, it's a band that I've long wanted to see. And fingers crossed, I uh, we get the approval to to cover the festival and, and do some interviews there. Um, that you know I'll finally get to see Foo Fighters for at least the one time in my life. Um, but I'm, I'm actually interested, you know, you and a handful of other of the bands uh, on it are, are, we're doing interviews for and kind of preparation for the festival itself. And I kind of have been handpicking some of the bands that I think are interesting and I wanted to put a spotlight on. And when I saw that you were on it, you were one of my first picks to be like, I got to talk to him about this thing because I can't help but think that I think rock on the range became a destination festival for, I think it was for people who liked music, but I also kind of felt like it was just the, the cool place to go. Um, I don't know with this rebrand, if it will kind of go back to being more focused on the music and you're going to get fans of, of the wide cross section of music, whether you're a fan of Gojira, whether you're a fan of architects, whether you're a fan of Foo Fighters, whatever. I think if you're a fan of rock music and heavy music in general, there's something there for you. And to me, having a band like yourself on that, I think is interesting. And you would probably be one of those bands that if I saw the name, you know, next to like a, a explanation of what it was, I'd probably be like, I'm going to go check that out. I don't know that I'm going to like it, but I'm going to go check it out and at least yeah. see what it is because I'm intrigued as a, as a music fan in general. Well, I appreciate that. I really, really do. I, um, I do have to say Gojira is so goddamn good. <laughs> it's just, Every time someone mentions their name, I'm just like, yeah, they are. They're one of those bands that just makes you want to quit playing any instrument and just give up forever. Absolutely. Same with Mashuga. <laughs> Which is actually uh, another benefit of uh, of this project is that it's it's so not technical that I don't actually have to be a great player. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's it makes me happy, because <laughs> right. I'm I'm really I'm not like I'm not the most technical player. I'm not the cleanest player in the land, um, and that was something that did kind of go into the uh, the downfall of what I was trying to do before when I was younger, like way younger, because I was you know playing in in all types of stuff. 
like I, I started playing grind bands forever because that's predominantly what it what it listened to growing up, and um, like screamo type stuff for whatever you want to call it, and it just it didn't fit um, my like I wasn't good at it. How about that? I wasn't my my brain didn't work on a level that it needed to work at to to successfully function within that world. And uh, that's why I stepped away from music for a while. I had to just admit, like, all right, I'm this isn't my thing. Um, which, which was which was sad at the time. But you know, then I found brewing, and all was redeemed. And finally, found something that made sense. And then when I started this project, I was like, oh, that's what I was missing. Okay, got it. So, little journey. Well, that was all the questions I had for you today. Uh, where can people find you online? Uh, virtually everywhere. We are. We try to be on every platform, like Apple Music, uh, yeah, Apple Music, uh, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, everything. Um, and if we're not on there, like, please let us know, and I'll do my best to get it. It's always funny when someone's like, oh, you're not on this obscure thing where I listen to my podcast. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, dude, I'm on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Pod. Like, it goes everywhere. Everything. And it's like, I'm sorry yeah. I'm not on the one thing that maybe you will be the only person to listen to it on. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, oh, this app that has 100 users total? Sorry I'm not on Vero anymore. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to Vero? Fuck, I don't know. Are you still going? I'm sure MySpace technically is still going, even though they just apparently lost like 10 years worth of music. <laughs> oh my god. I guess that is true, yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe, uh, I'm just waiting for like Zanga to come back or something, you know? And <laughs> I'll just do like my cool, like, uh, it, it is kind of funny looking back on all that shit, too, like where you're like, oh, they were basically just like building, like making us be our own web designers, like without even realizing. Mm hmm. Absolutely. That's exactly and I, and what I it still was. suck at it, so it, it it hasn't worked very well. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat today. Thank you. Yeah, hopefully, uh, if we end up getting approved for Sonic Temple, uh, have to catch up and, and grab a drink of some some variety. Some variety, absolutely. So that was my conversation with Amigo the Devil. Dan couldn't be there because he had to work like a chump. But uh, I actually texted him when this interview was over, and I was like, dude, you missed a really good one. Like, you would have had so much fun just bullshitting about music and beer and having a good fucking time. And I was like, shut up, John. <laughs> I got a family that I got to support. Like, hardcore got to support. But now that I'm on the Brutally Speaking podcast, the official podcast of MetalNexus.net, I am just rolling in the pennies, man. I've got so many pennies. I bought a soda the other day with pennies. It was incredible. You imagine the look on the lady's face when I slapped down 107 little copper ones right there in front of her. She's like, oh, my God, this guy's going places. <laughs> He's going to the recycling plant. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. No, that was a fun conversation. I am sad that I missed it because it seemed like – because there, there were even a couple of songs I was going to ask him about and, you know um, – see if uh you know and i probably would have killed the vibe of the conversation because i've been like this is really dark stuff man you seem you seem you know cool but at the same time some of this stuff that you talk about is just like makes me want to weep so <laughs> let's get into that i think that was kind of the interesting thing like and why i asked the question of like you know you go under a stage name basically to talk about some really wild shit do you feel more comfortable being able to talk about that because it's not under your name and you don't then in theory have to take ownership of the things you're saying? Right. Yeah. And that, that was a good, that was definitely a good question. I'm glad you asked that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I like, uh, the fat Dave Grohl angle. Uh, it's definitely not something that I saw before and now I can't. I exactly. I that's yeah. all I can see now. Whenever I see him and stuff, I'm like, Jesus Christ, you are fat Dave Grohl. Well, yeah, but I mean, if we're if we're going to the festival and he gets that picture, like we need to take that picture, you know, yeah. <laughs> like that needs to that needs to happen. We got to get our stamp on that. <laughs> yeah, no, it. I I honestly, 
if you were to ask me like what's the most on brand episode that you would have, I gotta say at this point, since the rebrand, this is probably the most on brand episode I've done or that we have done at this point. Other than the one coming up with Patrick Galante of uh, Ice Nine Kills, I would honestly say for a, for a music and pseudo drinking podcast or whatever, um, this is probably the most on brand episode we've we've ever done. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I just hope I hope I hope his fans actually appreciate it because I I don't know sometimes like with some of these like I. I I don't know if it comes across, but like at times I'm kind of nervous and apprehensive about like some of the places we go with the conversations because, you know, some of these people have really rabid fan bases or fans that are so into the lyrics, into the songs and so forth. And I feel like they might, you know, just be champing at the bit to get any kind of interviews with him since he's still kind of an up and coming artist. And to get this kind of an interview, they might be like, dude, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Maybe. I mean, only time will tell, I guess. But, uh, no, I thought it was a lot of fun. It was very on brand. It was very what we're all about over here without having to stick to the standard genre. You know, I know we're supposed to be keeping it on on metal, but, uh, you know, some of these metal guys are not always quick to call us back. So uh, we got to we got to do what interviews we can do and, and try to put on a good show for you guys. Yeah, I definitely think so. if uh, some of these other guests that are potentially possibly going to come to fruition, you you might be seeing a lot more diversity on this uh, show, which uh, actually is not a really old wooden chip, uh, despite what you may have heard from Ron Burgundy. But Right. <laughs> oh, man. But uh, yeah, it's. It's going to be exciting to see, you know, all the different types of artists that we're going to see at at, uh, Sonic Temple. And uh, I keep wanting to call it Rock on the Range because that's what it is. Uh, But, you know, uh, I I think I think this gonna be a lot of fun. Like I said, you know, we're checking our mailbox every day. So uh, we would really love to cover that event if we give the chance. Yeah. And it uh, I think it'd be a really good one. I was really bummed, obviously, to hear of uh, the Prodigy being replaced, but. I mean, Papa Roach, that's a pretty big get for that festival as well. Yeah, I'll take it. I mean, it. you replace one P band with another P band. That sounds yeah. way worse than I made it to sound, I but mean, whatever. Well, you know, there's definitely a, a huge difference in the quality of the P, and that's as, as mean as I'll be. Look at that with uh, the rhymes. And uh, on that note, uh, we're going to kind of start wrapping this episode up. Uh, if you would like to keep up with Amigo the Devil, really fucking simple. Uh, all of the socials, Amigo the Devil. If you would like to go find him on his website, it's AmigoTheDevil.com. So just probably Google the name, you'll find something. Um, If you would like to keep up with Metal Nexus, you can find them at MetalNexus.net, Facebook at MetalNexus, Instagram at Metal.Nexus, and Twitter at Metal underscore Nexus. If you would like to keep up with our show sponsor, The Bean Bastard, you can do such at TheBeanBastard.com. Facebook and Instagram are at TheBeanBastard, and Dan's going to tell you where he can be found on the online. Well, I can be found on an old IRC chat. No, uh, I can be found on uh, Twitter at Discuss Metal Dan. I can be found on Facebook under Daniel Terry. You can find out information about my other podcast, Discography Discussion, at DiscussMetal.com. And by information, I mean just like the podcast. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's where I can be found. So if you can't find me, well, that's your fault. And if you would like to keep up with all things this podcast, simple enough, find us everywhere at Pod. Email us at BrutallySpeaking at gmail.com. And uh, if you would like to recommend people to go to the Facebook, we are still running a contest. I decided to resurrect it. Seems like it's actually working. We are five people away right now from giving away the body, the coffee scrub. Uh, we are trying to get to 550. Uh, as of the time we're recording this, we're at 545, so we're super close. Thank you to everyone who has been following very recently or recommending the podcast to friends. If we get to 575, we will give away the coffee candle. And at 600, we will give away the photo book that Rob Fenn gave us uh, documenting his time on tour with Rob Zombie. It is, I made the comment on Facebook Live, it weighs about as much as a newborn baby. Um, It's super thick. I haven't even opened it. So presumably when I send it to you, you will be the first person to open this and and hear that nice spine cracking from when you open a book. Um, It's one of the few things that I still enjoy when buying a new book. Um, But that's going to be at 600. And I think I'm going to kind of keep doing that. I think that's a fun little thing to entice people to keep doing. Uh, Maybe next, you know, it may not be a book. It may not be, you know, coffee. Maybe it might just be coffee itself. It may be 
I don't know. We'll have to think of some fun things that we can do uh, for incentives to start following us across the socials. But um, another avenue too, uh, start following us on YouTube. Just search out the podcast, Brutally Speaking Podcast. Um, we bought a GoPro and some of the in-person interviews that I've been doing lately uh, are going to be seen. You can actually see the interview as, uh, as I was doing it. And don't worry, I'm not in these because I know you don't want to see me. Um, so we're trying to add different and more exciting content for you all, for however you take in your podcast. Um, so follow us, keep up with things. Uh, I promise you there are a lot of really awesome things happening right now for this podcast. And it's all because of people like you who are listening to it, who are sharing this podcast with your friends and family and anybody else. And we greatly appreciate it. And when I say that big things are coming, we have some fucking banger guests coming up. Um, some that I'm still in disbelief that are going to be on this show. Um, so without further ado, for the Brutally Speaking Podcast, I am John. And I am Dan. And we will talk to you all next time.